Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. to Supernatural The Crossroads, our Season 12 year-end review show. My name is Thomas Cowley, and joined with me, as always today, is Ryan Denton. Hello. And Michael Flores. Hello. Guys, sadly, we are kicking off Pilatus 2017, but we are starting it. We are starting it with our year-end review show. We are going to focus on our official rankings from Supernatural The Crossroads for the Season 12 episodes which was our top five favorite episodes, as well as our top two writers of the year, our top two directors of the year, Supernatural's Crossroads choice of VIP, as well as we are going to give a new order for all of the seasons, seasons one through 12, Yep, from most favorite to least favorite. Not bad. That's going to be hard favorite. to do, though. Dude, I, we I mean, because even the worst that. season of Supernatural is better than most television. That's we, why I didn't say bad. It's just your least yeah, favorite. Yeah. So, Nothing as bad as me hitting the mic like I just did with my yeah, hand. Yeah, I right. remember my first time yeah. recording. This is amateur hour as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's four years ago. Four years ago. So it's going to be a whole lot of retrospective this episode. A lot it's of it's going to be a whole lot of us blowing ourselves. Too. A lot of that. Why? Why would That's, it be that? Because, because we called a lot of things we and we could, like to yeah. feel special. Yeah, exactly. We already had this discussion earlier in our chat. That's right, guys. We have a private chat for private what, things. Because you think because we have a well-produced show tonight, you think it's going to be, it's blowing ourselves? No, I think it's blowing ourselves when I know we start talking about the things that we called and we're like, yeah, we called the that. latest is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we called that. We should totally be in the writing room. Well, okay, that's, that's, that's something that needs to stop happening as well on the show. Like just, oh, oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. As well as dick jokes. Just too many dick jokes. Uh, okay, first of all. Well, then what kind of show there do we is have? Never, yeah, there's never enough dick jokes. If we're not going to do dick jokes, I'm going to quit. I'm not, that's the only reason I'm on the show. You just got to make sure it fits. Like if it Dude, do, if my it, dick never fits. It it's too big. If it doesn't fit, don't be, like you I said, if it doesn't fit, you must have quit? Yeah. Exactly. So, so basically, if the condom doesn't fit, I don't oh, wear it. Oh, God. How do we start like this? Yeah, you, hey, you set me up for that one. No, nobody set you nobody up. Nobody started you on that road. You derailed the train yeah. right into I the woods. I waited two minutes. I was told I, to wait I two minutes. I want to consult the clock. I don't think that's right We're at all. Actually, how Any, far you're are done. we, Mike? You're done. Anyway. He's so bummed This now. is going to be a retrospective minus Ryan, apparently, episode. No, look. I'm going to... Hey, I, I got the freaking cool voice for the uh, the awards. We, we do have some, I, I guess... They're not exactly awards. It's our well, top you know choices. I mean. Ryan's going to we do, this do a little every special year. thing for him. We do this every year. We talk about our, our top directors and yep. episodes. We're just, we're just uh, taking it one step low. You know, one step higher, which is fine. No, it's going to be good. Yeah. No, it's going to be awesome. I mean, we've talked a lot about season 12's story as a whole, where things were going. And I know that we had a lot of fans... 
on both sides of the boat. You know, there was those who thought the season was great. There was those who thought the season was weak for a lot of different reasons. We've been banging on a lot about what could have been done differently in some of the writing room elements, such as the the list of points we discussed we as about to it. why certain things were being made and the decisions were being made. But right now, this this episode here is primarily going to be what did season 12 do right and yeah, what do we be, like about it guys. and what were the highlights for us, not just as Supernatural The Crossroads, a show, but as us hosts individually, our personal choices. Right. We're going to be and, incredibly positive this show. And we usually are, we usually are positive. Um, and something that Dab said, it, I want to say coming off of the winter hiatus, he mentioned that... Um, that the end of the season, you're going to start seeing all these domino pieces that he stacked. You're going to see them start falling into, fall place. into place. Right. And I would definitely say that did happen. I would say more, less the second half of the show, more the final quarter yeah. of the season. I'd agree with that wholeheartedly. It, it really felt like things picked off. What, I'd say episode 17 for well, me. The, the future, right? The, no, the British invasion is when things oh, really, really got kicked yeah. into gear. Yeah. That's when shit started moving. And everything when there was a more that, of a focus. Yeah, there's yeah. more of a focus. The future episode 19 is a pretty big episode for when things kicked into gear. But I think the death of McDavies was a big point for this agree. season. So for me, that's when it's like, okay, we're not, you know, dicking around anymore. Was yeah. that the invasion episode? The British invasion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that for me was, was a highlight of this season. But we're going to get into that. But like you said, the first quarter the first half it, it's not really fair to say the first half the first half of season 12 before the mid-season finale was only eight episodes of 23 so that's really the third right but we had to make some judgments so far based off that and we've discussed this at length that we think that eight episodes even less one less than previous years had a bit of a negative impact on some of the pacing and where some of the things were going but thankfully things did kind of ratchet up go through the motions at, at the end to give us something new and exciting. It really was kind of this roller coaster of highs and lows. It was and, all over the place. I mean, it was a little bit of a mess at some times. I'm not going to lie. After, after episode eight, when they had that, hold on, let me air quote mid season finale. Um, we were all still kind of like, well, where the hell is this going? And I think that was, um, that was the big thing. That was for me at least. It was like okay, after eight episodes, I still have kind of no idea what the direction of this. Yeah, and I think that was. I think ultimately that is where it was confusing to me. And then after that, it was like oh, okay. And like you said, with the Mick Davies episode, you know, the British invasion it was like oh, all right, sweet. This yeah. is what we're doing. The season felt like it was broken up in about three segments. Yeah, and the yeah. first the first seasons. segment was was him trying to figure out what to do with Lucifer yeah. and get rid of them. And this is something we're gonna tackle in depth at the end of the show when right. we talk about our overall thoughts but yeah you're right man i didn't notice that but you're right it did start with the invasion didn't it yeah that, yeah that kicked it off man. that that's where the the stakes have changed mcdavies is no longer on the playing field they're lying to sam and dean it's not it's no longer about the brothers working with the british mental letters it is the British Men of Letters making decisions about the brothers' fate. Yes, uh, I think we all love the Monster of the Week episodes. It's vital uh, to Supernatural. To I, I think yeah. it's something we've become you know accustomed to. However, if you take those episodes seventeen through twenty three, it kind of makes a case for shortened seasons. 
I, yeah, I, I mean, something you, we've, you tackle, I've been saying for a while. You tackle Lucifer for three episodes. You do away with the nonsense that kind of pisses people off because some people just don't want to wait. That's why a lot of people are waiting for Netflix. And I know that's our own, and I'm including myself in this sometimes. Um, I think we've it's our own we've, fault. We've kind of grown up now over the last five, six years to the Netflix era of binge watching where we don't necessarily have to wait. So patience has kind of gone to the wayside. And I think it's hurting a lot of TV shows with these 23 episode orders if they don't have their story 100% down because people are sitting there wondering well, what's happening. Okay, what's going to happen? I have to wait seven episodes now to find out about this. And, you know, if you look at the episode starting with episode 17, the invasion leading into the final episode of the season all along the Watchtower, episode 23, add three episodes on top of that. That's 10 episodes. It makes a case for a shortened season, a more concise clear story but let me ask you this and this i'm gonna play devil's advocate here do you think this season season 12 if you were able to watch it without that mid-season break or anything like that you were able to power through it and binge watch it do you think it would be the same would you still be wanting would you still be like i don't know what's going on good question because i I am the netflix binge watch guy yeah and i mean obviously not of late because of the last couple seasons but I'll tell you this. I don't think this season would have had the problems that it had. If that it felt I was, like it had. Yeah, that yeah. I think well, if I was able to watch them back to back to back to back to back. The devil's advocate's devil's advocate. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Merry <laughs> Christmas. While I agree with you that if you were able to binge watch it, you wouldn't have some of the lows between episodes eight and nine with the, you know, the Lotus episode. Right. And some of that. However, there are still a number of episodes between the mid-season finale mm-hmm. And the British invasion, where we were still asking a lot of questions. Right. I think if you had taken out some of the filler episodes, you know, you keep the raid, you keep the Lotus bit since you had to for the Nephilim. Right. You you keep things like uh, Rock will never or Rock will never die. Right. And the premiere, you cut it down between ten and thirteen episodes. I think you really do have a much stronger season twelve. Yeah. And, and a perfect example of recent time and i might have mentioned this on our last show i can't remember i do too many shows now um x files a perfect example of a shortened condensed season don't get me wrong i love x files and i want more episodes than just six episodes but the new season of x files was a perfect example of giving the fans a little bit of everything they love they had the myth arc that was used as more of a bookend for the first episode and the final episode then they had um you know one or two Monster of the Week episodes as well, and it managed to make itself feel like a complete season, and there were only six episodes. But the way Chris Carter wrote this season, he knew exactly where he was going, and he knew he didn't have a lot of time. Well, that's And, the and thing. I think that if a, maybe even Dab were to look at it that way and say, hey, we have a shortened season, I don't have time to, to play roller coaster. I need to get in, go for the ride, and be done. I think maybe it'll it will help them focus a bit more, if that makes sense. It doesn't matter how long the story is. All that matters is that the story is is paced well and told correctly, whether that's, you know, the Lord of the Rings over three volumes or that's a Game of Thrones over seven or if that's, you know, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is like 200 pages. That's what matters, not how you how long it takes to get there yeah. if you have a really long story and every moment is important and worth watching or reading then great but if you drag on for any reason some people are going to ask questions and lose some interest that's just the nature of the beast and i think 
it is a strong case to start moving towards that. I, I know Supernatural can't, and I know a lot of TV shows can't because of how cable works and what they're stuck right. into. But I think syndication this is, contracts. Syndication contracts. I think this, though, is why Netflix and Hulu's original broadcast and, and even HBO's has done so well with these shorter seasons. Gotten rid of the you, fluff. It gets rid of the, the fluff. It gets cut, cut the fat which and un- move on. Which, unfortunately, sometimes when you have fluff, it allows writers to get relaxed and say, hey, you know what? We have 20-some episodes to tell this story, so let's let's not worry about it keeping so tight. We have time. And I yeah. think sometimes that hurts a show. Well, it gives, it gives the writers that, like you said, that buffer or that time period to say, well, we didn't know where we were going, but now we do. And... Which is, I get that, but at the same time, when the fans are sitting here going, uh... It's with anything. You can't be like, well, I'm going to build a house over, you know, a year. Maybe we'll put a wall here, and I don't know, maybe we'll add to this. Or if you go in there, My it's like, we have relatives a- do that. That's why there's a bunch of half-built <laughs> That's so not homes. true. Those things are done in, like, no, dude, 12 half, days. No, go to Mexico. Half-built homes, dude. They build, like, an upstairs to their house that they had for 40 years, and all of a sudden they decide to, yeah, I think I'm going to make that balcony I always wanted with the master bedroom upstairs. And they start it, and they wait three or four years. Or my un- my uncle, the- Michael can- Chuki has been working uh, on the uncle same. Chuki. I'm not joking. My oh, Tio Chuki has been working what? on the same house for about 10, 15 years. <laughs> Meanwhile, oh, conversely, you look at an Amish barn, that's up in four hours. Hey, look. Amish they know how the fuck look, they're making Mex- it. Mexicans, they're not going to make the house really fast, but they're going to make their, their tombs really sweet. Oh, Jesus t- God. What? You know, like I don't the, know. There's like those. Uh, I don't know. We're moving on. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Now that b- the season. B- backtracking a bit real fast. And now let me make an argument for for seasons. Ooh. For larger seasons, Ooh. okay, because it obviously bigger it, is better for some. Look, yeah, it could be done. It can be I done, and there's <laughs> and just so that I can point to something more closer to home in terms of network. Uh, if you look at the first three, four seasons of Vampire Diaries, it doesn't matter if it's your cup of tea. Uh, if you were to go over those episodes uh, with a fine tooth comb, that writer was the showrunner was amazing. They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew their story. I don't care if it's the teeny nonsense. Look at the writing. The writing is fucking solid. And they managed to take 23 episodes per season for the first three to four seasons. And they make each season feel like three separate seasons because instead of putting in fluff or filler episodes when they're trying to bide their time for the for the season finale or to to wrap up the myth arc they wrap up arcs and sometimes you're like wow that story arc is done and it's episode nine but the way they've done it they've introduced other little things within the first nine episodes that then takes over the focus without even realizing that's the real focus and they do that again during the second half of the season moving into the final half of the season and they got rid of all their fluff. And I challenged some of the writer gurus out there to watch the first few seasons of Vampire Diaries. And you'll learn something. They do justice for 23, 24 episode seasons. Absolutely. Well, I mean, like you said, there's no there's no reason to stick to the formula that we're used to from the early 2000s these days. Yeah. So that might be an alternative. Why not try it, right? Yeah. Now, now that the dust has kind of settled on season 12, we can look towards some questions we've had. A lot of people had questions about who really was dead by the end of the season. Cast- Apparently, we had Castiel, Crowley, and Rowena all bite the dust by the end of season 12. Now that some of the actors have taken to social media and, and some of the news has kind of gotten out, we have at least one confirmed, one in the air, and one I think is just having fun with it, yeah. frankly. Yeah. yeah. 
And the one that is confirmed, Mark Shepard has said his goodbye to Supernatural over Twitter and Instagram and social media as a whole, and mm-hmm. he is officially done with the show. Yep. Crowley, the, the king of hell, is no more. And while Thomas that is... is going to cry. And while that is sad... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> this is great. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, do it. Go to cry. Keep going. Keep crying. While that's sad... I'm so proud of him. <laughs> oh, my God. The episode... Sad, dude, that was really... Pilatus is a bitch. <laughs> God. Replace that with Thomas. There you go. Thomas, Thomas is, a is a bitch. Thomas is a bitch. Pilatus is a bitch. Pilatus is a bitch. You're trying ready, to get ready? a cut right now. Go ahead, go ahead Ryan. Ready? Say Thomas. Thomas is, is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, I mean, we've all talked about it at the end of the season. It is sad to see Crowley go, but at the same time, he went in a great way, and it it was kind of something that had to happen. He's yeah. been hanging around for the majority of the season. He was just kind of there to keep Lucifer He's in, in a, a holding cage, pattern, in dude. Like- a holding pattern. It's something we've said for yeah. since season 10, you know? So it, it while it is unfortunate, it is kind of nice to see him, his character, do something. To yeah. go out, yep. guns blazing, you know, like as Sam and Dean said, Butch Cassidy. He had a great ending, style. and it would be, it would do it. It wouldn't do any justice for the way it ended if they were to bring it back. They they need to they need to let him be dead for sure. And I know Mark Shepard has said it, which is good. I'm happy that he did that. Yeah, the one that is kind of probably coming back or the most likely candidate for a return, Castiel. Uh, Misha Collins has gone all over social media with hopes of an an imminent return teasing bits and pieces here about season 13 you know what i have no problem with him coming back i don't i don't because his death felt very contrived right it didn't feel like it was the end for him they the way they the way they built it up for crowley made sense with castiel you felt like there was more to it and i'm glad so sudden however at the same time i I, i'm gonna make a, a plead to actors out there and producers and networks Prevent your actors from talking on social media. I love you, Misha, but can you please leave some mystery for season 13? Why must you confirm that you may come back? We don't want hope. Let everyone bitch and and let everyone be be angry. And then when you show up in season 13, it'll make that season so much sweeter. I remember before social media took over everything and people were like spoiling things, even actors. I remember when Crowley or when uh, Cassiel died in season seven. Yeah. I had no idea it was coming back. And when Dean heard of an somebody cure, someone curing people, yeah, I was like, oh, please let it be Castiel. Oh, please let it be Castiel. And when it was, it meant so much more because exactly. we didn't hear about it from the actor on Twitter. Um, three I months ahead it. of time. I hate a year that. Ahead of time. I absolutely hate it. Quit, get off the internet. Talk about something else. You know, to to sound like an asshole, frankly, there it is so much the more. Fucking show. It exactly. ruins the show. It's spoiler alert. It, it literally is spoiler alert. Well, why can't we? And keep, it hurts the show. It just hurts the show and the writing as well. Because now the writers are like, shit, well, how are we going to make this reveal that he's alive cool now? It's not going to work. So, I mean, I know I'm sounding really bitchy about it, but it just mm-hmm. is very frustrating. Can you I, play that? Hold on. Ready? And it can Mike. be. No. And it can <laughs> be done. And it can't. Hold on. And it can be done. It can be Go done ahead, because Ryan. we've seen Mike. it happen. Oh shit! Oh god! Knocks he broke over everything. everything on his table because he's a bitch. <laughs> this is a bitch. <laughs> he knocked over so many action figures, dude. It's amazing. Hold on. No. Okay. So l- let me let me show you an example. Okay. 
The actor that played, and again, this is going to be a spoiler for those of you that have not watched Longmire, so take out your headphones oh, for a minute. Hold on, I can't listen. Um, so stupid. Um, one of the main characters died, okay? Oh. And it was left with a cliffhanger. He And you were pretty sure he was dead, right? Okay. The actor did not say his goodbyes on social media until the next season premiered. When we all knew he was dead, without a doubt, as soon as it aired, he got on Twitter and said, guys, I've been waiting all summer long to say goodbye. I didn't want to ruin it for you guys. It's been a great ride. I love all of you. Well, so that's, long. That's what Crowley and Mark Shepard did. You know, he, he didn't say one thing or the other until yeah. his character was gone in right. the end of season How 12. awesome would it have been if Misha Collins was MIA about everything dealing with Supernatural? Dude. Started talking about his other projects. Yes. All know. he's got to do is, is just talk about Gishwish the whole time yeah. and then dude, boom. Just leave Supernatural completely out of it. I would just lie and be like, yeah, guys, it was a great run. Mark and I are heading out the door wishing the brothers all the best. You yeah. know, and then season 13 comes around like, Fucking lie to all of you. Hope you guys so, enjoyed it. So essentially, you want a, a Manu Bennett type, uh, yeah, type swerve? That doesn't, no one knows what that is. Uh, Explain okay. it then. Okay, so essentially the whole story, and it's real short, uh, Manu Bennett denied, denied, denied the fact that he was coming back as Deathstroke on Arrow, and then all of a sudden, spoiler alert, voila, it is actually him. It was a, it's a long story, but he, he went with it and said, hey, you know right. He played. It's, he played it up. And he's yeah, like, hey, it's that. not me. It's not me. It's not me. I'm not coming back. These guys, like, he even made it where, like, it was angry tweets where it was like, oh, shit, this is getting real. And then, voila, haha, just kidding. Yeah. Is he, yeah, I think. And same thing with Rowena, what she's doing. Like, she's leaving exactly. it, you know, ambiguous with her tweets like, farewell, crispy witch. That's funny. <laughs> That's what yeah, you see, do. It should be that. That's what you do. Don't ruin it. And I understand Misha has an entire brand and a business he has to worry about. But guess what? Your business will still be there in four months if you just wait. Yeah. The no fans one's going to go gonna away. abandon you in four months. Yeah. It just would be so much nicer for them not to do that. We don't need, you know. We don't need to know everything. Yeah. We just don't. It's ruined so much TV. Have some mystery. Yeah. And I will agree with you. I, I do like what Rowena and Ruth Connell has done. It's funny. With social media. It's funny. Although, what honestly, <laughs> as a fan of the show, I do personally, I hope that she is unfortunately gone. I right. prefer that. I think it makes more sense to the story that way. And I have a really hard time if she comes back. That's the second time. Third time with an appearance, second shut death. the hell like, up, Thomas. She's coming back. It's just nonsense at that point. Don't then you it, then it becomes ruin fan my fiction. fantasy. And that's fine. You can have your, you know, Ryan Spanky fun time hour later. I, that's not what I call it. <laughs> spanky. He's, is that he's a character it. from Little Rascals? Yes, it is. It is? Oh, my. <laughs> dude, I don't watch the Little Fucking Rascals. I just remember the dude with the I don't hair. watch it either. It's not on TV anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's from like the fucking fifties. I, I swear to God, Thomas knows nothing, dude. About, oh outside God. of like the certain like small little things, dude. His pop culture references are really. Bad. I don't care about dated pop culture. I just don't. Ugh, Thomas. So anyway, that's why you're forgettable. Oh, well, that's just not nice. I didn't, dickhead. Mean, it, I didn't mean it to be nice. No, fuck you. What? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas is a bitch. That'll right. that'll just be part of your Patreon. No, I, I, your your whole I have my sexual deviant hour where you hear about all kinds of stuff that Ryan wants to write in fan fiction. Ugh, sounds we awful. should probably go to a quick break and then we'll come back and yeah. do our year end stuff. So guys, we're going to take a quick break, but then we're going to talk about the directors of the year, writer of the year, top five episodes and reorganizing the 12 seasons from most favorite to least favorite in just a bit. 
To hell with the latest doesn't stop with the free broadcast. Sign up for the Supernatural Videocast and receive additional discussions all summer long. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. Say that name again. Mar. Bill Maher? Mayor? Mar. 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 Whatever. <laughs> The guy's an asshole anyway. Uh, you don't even know him. You know what? You can't even I used pronounce. To. You cannot even pronounce his name. Therefore, you cannot talk shit. That's all I gotta say. Bill Maher cracked a one hundred and seventeen percent. Just keep going. Keep going. Cracked a crass incest joke. My hair cooed. <laughs> it's Mar. Mar. Thank you. Thank you. Now I know how to say it, so I don't fuck it up again. <laughs> He's been it's, correcting it's basically, you. Basically, it, it, it's mind. phonetics, dude. Sounded out. Maher is not it. Mar. Mar Kud making no, 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 no. Mar. 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 There let's, you go. Let's Mar. emphasize. How does it start? M. Okay. <laughs> M. We should just move on. A. We should. How do you spell it, Andrew? How do you spell it? M A H E R. Okay. Now slowly. Mar. Say his last name one more time for me. Careful about Maher. Maher? It's not. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. You're telling me I'm wrong, and then you're not telling me how to fucking fix oh, it. Yeah. For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. This is Star Wars from the Bunker Tank Exclusive. Queen that we've been introduced to, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you brought up a really good point that I never really thought about, but it is a really fantastic point. Is like. What is the relationship between Han and Jabba? Game lovers. <laughs> that's that's the real. That's the that's the untold story. There, we don't know that Jabba was uh, all upset because they never returned. Not because he dropped, you know, his shipment at the first sign of imperial <laughs> entanglement. No, it's because he uh, bailed on him. He bailed on him. Their love. <laughs> so stupid. He'll soon learn to appreciate him. <laughs> That's why he kept them on the wall. Yeah. See, what we don't know is that Han Solo was actually the first one to wear the uh, the Leia the Leia yeah, the, the, sl- the slave <laughs> outfit was actually worn by Han Solo first. John was like, "Do you want me to put in that slave outfit again? I will put you in that outfit." So yeah, Princess Leia, you look pretty good, but you know, uh, you don't fill it out like like Han Solo so does. Han Solo uh, really fills out that that slave that slave, slave outfit. outfit. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, a bunch of homoerotic storylines. I'd be okay with that. For more details, and get ready for an excitingly good time. Also, if you've missed our last show, well, you can also find us on your Stitcher app. Search Back to Tank. That is to your favorites. Thank you, and we will see you. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. 
Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL30 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL30. That's D-E-A-L-30 at adamandeve.com. All right, Entertainment Earth is a place to get all of your geekdom wants. From action figures, bobbleheads, to pop vinyls, and more, Entertainment Earth is your one-stop for your fandom needs. Since 1996, they've shipped millions of toys and collectibles to thrill clients around the world. And now you, too, can jump on board the bandwagon. You're going to be seeing a lot of links banners on our site for entertainment earth be sure you click on those links and buy some stuff everyone buys pop vinyls we know you fandoms you love them so go to raymandigitalmedia.com and click away when you do your shopping thank you crowley i run hell yes yes of course i agree 100 percent high time we met with the latest 2017. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. Now we're going to get into our Directors of the Year for Supernatural Season 12, and we are going to be graced by Ryan's, quote, douche voice. Yeah, I've been, I've been saving this one. Which, as some in the chat room have pointed out, no, his normal voice is not, in fact, his douche voice. No, it is my, a separate, different caricature. No, my, my voice, my normal voice is single guy Ryan voice. Or pervy guy Ryan voice. Yeah. Okay. Or single perv Ryan. Uh, thanks, Thomas. I'm trying to come up with new hashtags yeah, for I, you. I'm trying you. to help you. That's real nice of you. SEO. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, top two directors of the year. This was decisions that we... Hold on, hold on. Simmer down. Oh, Oh, you want to use this first. And now, for the Supernatural, the Crossroads Year in Review Show. All right. Directors of the year. Now, these choices were made amongst the three of us for Supernatural The Crossroads as to who we felt brought the greatest amount of talent to the directing spot on this show. These are people who we felt in one way or another did an amazing job from a cinematography, you know, making of an episode, working with the actors and understanding a Supernatural or in some way elevated the bar for the rest of the directors this season. So, Ryan, we're going to pass that over to you for our number two. Hold on. Yep. What are we doing? What are we doing? Top two <laughs> directors. <laughs> top oh, two we're doing directors. top two directors already. All right. Yeah, Hold yeah. on here. <laughs> Knock over some action figures. The Crossroads top two directors of the season are number two, John F. Showalter. For his directing achievements in Who We Are, written by Robert Behrens. And number one, Richard Spate Jr. I added Jr. because I was told to. For his directing (laughs) achievements in Stuck in the Middle and Twigs and Twine and Tasha Baines, written by Steve Yockey. Now, these two were decisions that the three of us came to a consensus for 
as to what made Supernatural these the episodes they directed what made them so special. A lot of people, ourselves included, were big big fans of Showalter's episode "Who We Are." It had in a lot of ways everything we love about Supernatural from the way they handled the the fighting and and the action scenes and the dealing with the British Men of Letters, bringing that finally to a close, mm-hmm. and a lot of those heartfelt moments between Sam and Dean and their mom and the family and who they are as a title really fit well it summed up it summed up everything that we really wanted in the the you know the i guess we'll quote the the finale of the british men of letters or, or what we've seen in the finale of that episode and i think that's what made us love it was the fact that it summed up everything that we wanted i mean it, re- it really did finish the big myth arc of the season yep. as well as it was really helped with robert Barron's writing style he has been instrumental at cutting between different storylines and his ability to pace it so that you are constantly interested in one of the stories and then he cuts away to the other so it's always high tension and high action and john f showalter's directing abilities really reflected that we felt to the highest degree i mean ever who wasn't talking about dean and mary and that whole dream sequence right. you know mental little window box thing well, i don't even know what you would call that yeah, I don't delusional know. fantasy. It was, I guess in a script you call it maybe a dream sequence. Yeah, yeah that was a dream sequence. Let's, yeah, we'll use that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, and not only was he able to bring out the emotions needed, you got to remember, um, Samantha Smith is is only been in a handful of episodes, including this season. So to say that the chemistry between her and Jensen has been there for 12 years would be false. This isn't like directing an episode between Jensen and Jared where, yeah. hey, they know each other for over a dozen years. Chances are you're going to get gold no matter who's directing the episode. John had to go in there and direct a scene that was that we had to feel truly existed. Absolutely. This relationship between Mary and Dean needed to feel real. And to be that director to go in there, first off, I, I don't envy that. There's a lot of stress. No, and I'm a, sure yeah. Dab had a list, you know, filled with directors that he uses. And he had to probably whittle down okay, which director will be perfect for this episode. Because not only does he need to tackle the relationship between Dean and and Mary, but also we have Kim Rhodes. Uh, Sheriff Mills and Sam and their thing. And then just there's little things throughout the entire episode that made the episode feel complete. And I think we talked about it in detail on our last show with the season finale discussion where Kim Rhodes, just little eye movements. Now that's acting. You don't need to act by talking. Some of the best acting comes from reactionary shots. And again, for John to work with the actor to make sure we get the right coverage i.e. the reactionary shots yeah. so that the entire scene feels complete. That's the director's job. Well, I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize about the director's role on set. It's not just they're in charge. You know, uh, one of the biggest elements is them working with the actors to get the scenes, the emotions they want. And like you said, these are two actors who hadn't worked together for a very long time, a decade you know, in any real capacity until now. And it's, it's hard to get that to work in any way. And he's somebody who he, he did a couple episodes. He did American nightmare and uh, the British invasion before that, which I, I mean, to my memory didn't have Mary working in either of those episodes. So that's another element. This was really his first working engagement with, with Samantha 
as well as Jensen, and to pull that off in a way that is one of the strongest emotional episodes of the season is is quite telling of his ability. This episode was such so good from writing and directing. I would honestly and truthfully probably throw this on my top 15 episodes of yeah, all time. Yeah, absolutely. And and that says a lot. That's to, a lot. To, to piggyback off what Mike said about the, the emotion in that scene, I mean, that scene is probably in my top five of scenes of Supernatural. Just the way that it was done. Good, yeah. it's, it's so well done. And I think that is a testament to his direction of, of making that feel natural and making that feel like, you know, the emotion, they've been doing it yeah, for years. The emotion that that Jensen was pouring into that that scene felt real. Felt like he was actually talking to his mother, and I think yeah. that is what hit home the most. And I think that's what made that episode as good as it was. And it's not even just that scene. I mean, I love the bit between Sam and Dean as they're trying to dig through the tunnel, and Absolutely. that whole Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid reference, and their interactions with each other, even the their interactions launcher. with Lady Bevel. You know, what little bits there were with her it all came together really well and and that's the thing is a lot of people think you know the actors just turn it on and that's how, how it works. is that's not how it works and like mike said in as a director on tv shows that's a bigger part of your job than anything else you know the, a lot of the cinematography and the camera work has been done by people who have been on the show for years as a director you're just gonna fly by night guy yeah. in a lot of ways and as we've learned from doing this show this show is a little different they seem to give the directors a little more responsibility than, than other tv shows generally do um so and that's nice and maybe that also helps with the with the overall feeling of the episode yeah and then our number one pick had to go to richard spate jr i mean he has done great work what? <laughs> it, it's, it's winter music. Go ahead. Oh, is that, oh that's what. Oh. The, the job, this can't. Let it be seamless, Thomas. Seamless. Got it. I, I was not prepared. I'm sorry. You startled me. Seamless. <laughs> now, Richard Spade Jr. did a great job last season with Just My Imagination. We all loved that. A lot of fans loved that. The, he, that was his funny comedic episode. That was what we expected from mm-hmm. the character we've known him to be, right. whether it's from the show or at the conventions that you've been to. But this season, he had two great episodes stuck in the middle with you the tarantino homage was fantastic one of our favorite episodes of the season a huge hit with a lot of fans not just of supernatural but i would think anybody who's seen that that is a film fan or a tarantino fan would enjoy that and it showed his abilities between comedic style and this like pulp action different genre mix and then to tie that with his third installment of twigs and twine and tasha baines a relatively traditional supernatural episode, but this was more to me his horror attempt between the the sickening movements of the stick figures and the essentially perfect backdoor pilot for a new spinoff yeah, on yep, Supernatural. Absolutely. This is that that is this moment and the story to make another show. This story about Alicia and Alex and their that whole horrible current relationship that one of them is not even aware of and, and how tragic that whole thing is because it is supernatural, but it's, it's not the exact story we're used to, but it's not the archetype, but it's the exact kind of archetype that we would expect. That's a brother, sister, brother, sister dynamic. I mean, one of them's a monster, which yeah. is the same kind of concept that Actually, was with Sam and Dean. Both of them technically are monsters. You could argue it. And just the horrifying element of, uh, one thing that disturbed me is the, the fact that you're nothing more than an avatar. 
and you don't even know it. Like you're just you're not really That's some the matrix shit. Yeah, it's it's disturbing. Imagine imagine dying and you don't even know you aren't real. You're just a puppet in some ways. And that's truly the are horror. You, though, are are your memories and what makes you a person really what makes you a person? And yeah. and that's truly the horror aspect yeah. of the episode. And and that's why I loved it and that's why I think we all agreed with this one. I think it wasn't even it was a no-brainer, right? When I yeah, posted, no, hey guys, number one, Richard Spade Jr., right? All of us agreed. There was no discussion. It was like, yes. Yeah, we didn't need anything for that. I mean, he showed that he understands the the craft of directing and the fact that he was able, like you said, tackle the the uh, Tarantino-esque episode. And then the way everyone he, tries to do that, who's a film fan as well. Right. Very few succeed. And I think that's the thing is that not just did he succeed in comedy, in horror, in a Tarantino action homage, but like you said, he understands Supernatural. He is a yep. massive fan and a, a member of the community. He has great respect for the show. He knows how to work with the actors. And for me, the Stuck in the Middle with You episode came out right when it needed to because we had the unfortunately lackluster midseason finale mm-hmm. and then a premiere that didn't really click with me in a couple more episodes. And I was waiting for something to change. And Stuck in the Middle with You came out and just blew my expectations out of the water, not just for Supernatural this season, but for what he could do as a director. Right. And I loved every bit of that. And and that was at a perfect time to junction, I feel. Yeah. And just his his range of abilities, I think, should speak for itself. Well, he's covered, I mean, we talked about it, he's covered everything now. He's covered horror. He needs he's, to do a romance. Oh, that's true. <laughs> he hasn't done a romance, but oh boy. A rom-com episode. You can write the script for Okay, you know what? You don't want me to do that. Hold on a second, though. On a serious note, imagine if they did a rom-com episode. He could do it. He could do it. He would absolutely be able to do it. He's the only one I could think of doing it. He's the only one I'd want to do it. Yeah. It would be... If you just have him direct it, have someone who understands comedy on the writing staff write it, it would be a fantastic episode. I hope it's it's a rom-com about Dean picking up some waitress in in a diner. How's that? Make, is that? Is that? Yeah, you can make it. You can make that. Comedy. Is that romance to you? Picking up it random. Should be a rom, it should is be that, a rom com between him and Baby. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, that's, that's good. That's good. Thomas's head just got really big. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I should be in the writing room. <laughs> oh, oh, come on, I can write for this show. That was a simple idea. Come <laughs> on, oh man. Can you imagine Dean and Ralph? <laughs> 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 Go, go. Uh, you keep laughing. You're making me laugh. Can you guys imagine Dean in love with Baby? And then you write with this. Maybe? With Maybe? I said Baby. You can't listen. <laughs> Apparently, that would be the greatest episode ever. Oh, my God. Like, he would just be Googleizing over the freaking car the whole time. Like, oh, my God. All right. He lost it. Is that is that what I sound like to you? Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes when All you right. get, like, super. A, ner- a like... nerd version of Perez Hilton is what he sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. But, you know, moving forward, though, I would like to see them utilize more. And I, this is something we talked about, I think, yeah, immediately after, yeah. uh, you know, Richard Spate shined in his episodes. But take what you guys have and, 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 and capitalize on it. The fact that Showalter, I mean, he has been used, but why not double up their episode order? Get rid of yeah. some of the directors that aren't delivering. And, and you, I'm serious. Like, know, it's funny. You guys are on Get season, rid of them. You guys don't You're on owe, season 13. There's no time. You don't owe anybody yeah, we don't anything. Have yeah, you don't owe anybody around. anything. Cut the fat and, and let's get down to business. Why not? I agree. I mean, you never know how many years you got and you don't, like you said, you don't need to prove anything to anybody. So just do what is the best for the show at this Mm -hmm. point. So 
All right, with that, guys, we're going to move on to our top writers of the year. Top two. The Crossroads top two writers of the season are number two, Davey Perez. Don't yell. I didn't yell. That wasn't. <laughs> Dude, I'm not Andrew. I'm not yelling. And number one, Robert Barron's. <laughs> Sorry, number one, Robert Barron's. <laughs> that almost sounds like you're doing a South Park thing. There. I could have, yeah. <laughs> that this one was a no-brainer too, though. Yeah, I agree. I think this one was pretty obvious for anybody who had been listening to our show throughout the year. We we praise a lot of Davy Perez's work. I mean, coming out of the gate with American Nightmare was a big swing in the right direction for him. A great first step. He wrote Stuck in the Middle with You, another one that a lot of people gravitated towards and mm-hmm. loved that episode. And Robert Barron's has just been consistently great for his entire run there. He knows pacing. He knows writing. He knows storytelling in a way that works not just for storytelling, but for the television medium yep. and for Supernatural as a whole. I think that's the biggest element that that's in his favor. While I like Davy Perez's work, he's he is relatively new to the show. He's only had so many, but Barron's has he, been consistent for what three years now, since or four I think, years I think going now. On four years, yeah. Yeah, he he's he's solid. I mean, the thing is, I think. At least, and I say at least once a year, he does an episode that we're like, "Holy shit!" Like, and and, and I, I don't know. I correct me if I'm wrong, but I I feel like we all have that reaction to at least one episode he does a year. And I would agree, but also I I, I don't think he writes a bad episode. I'm not saying he hasn't. No, 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 no I, one's yeah, perfect, yeah, but yeah. I do agree with that. Like, there's always one episode a season where like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. But every episode he writes is solid, solid and well yeah. paced out. He very rarely delivers a stinker. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm thinking all the way back to season 10 with the Executioner's song and the Werther project. The the unfortunate that was a fun episode, death of though. Kane and the mind fuck that was the Werther project. Yeah, I love cool those. Episode, man. And the way he told them was engaging and interesting and he he's introduced some other characters for us like uh Alex or that's that's the way she goes by, right? Who lives with Claire and Jody? Yeah, yeah, Alex, yeah. Alex, yeah. The hot one introduced Alex, you know, wrote uh, out Kane at the end. Great send off for him. Gave us the send off for uh, Rick Springfield's version of Lucifer. True. You know, yep. the, the touching moment with Mary and Dean in who we are. A, the guy under like Richard Spate Jr. The guy understands Supernatural and he's done a great job since he's been on the show since season nine. And. It it does sound a bit dickish. I, I'm not going to lie. But when we see he is writing the next episode, we're like, all right, there, there's no worries as to whether or not this one will, you know, suffer in any way or, or may have missed a mark or something like that. We know that this episode is going to be strong. And that that is something to his credit well, as and, a writer. And also backtracking a bit to Davy Perez, That's he's starting to build that reputation as well. Yeah, he, is. I, he didn't deliver a bad episode. And for being a rookie in that writing room, being a rookie writer in general, yes, he has writing experience, but he's still young. He's new. He's wet behind the ears. And the fact that he's managed to deliver uh, very, um, what is it? Two, two three. solid, three solid episodes. American Nightmare, Stuck in the Middle with You, and then episode 15, Somewhere Between Heaven and Hell, which I feel was the weakest of the three, but, but it still wasn't a bad episode. Yeah. He understands Supernatural, and I think he gave us a good kick, you know, in the gut in a good way when he, uh, that's a bad thing to say. He gave us, a, he gave us all hope 
when he wrote his first episode with being American Nightmare. The fact that that was his first episode he wrote for Supernatural, and we were all completely buzzing about that episode and what yeah. it meant. Um, he understood Supernatural not just in terms of of you know the characters characterization of our characters, but also he understood the feeling of Supernatural, and that is something again. Moving into season 12, you can't not be connected to that. You have to be invested. You have to be. You have to care. You have to care. You have to be a fan like You have, like you we have are. to be inside of it. You have to understand what Supernatural is about. You can't just say, oh, so what episode am I going to write? All right. But it's so much more than understanding the characters. It's the essence. It's the vibe. And that's what the American soul. Nightmare did. That's what he did in that yeah. episode. Yep. And it, like you said, for his first one out the gate. Especially because a lot solid. of people, ourselves included, were a little wary after so many writers had left at the end of season oh, yeah. 11. I mean, anybody should be a, a bit wary we were of bummed. that. We were pretty bummed out. So for him to come out the gate with that, that was a great first step. Now, do you guys have any runner-ups for writers? I Someone who didn't fit on your top two? No. I, what about you? Not as a top two, but as an... I thought a, it was Meredith Glenn. Not as a top two, but as a number three... <laughs> I I was considering the only other person I considered was Andrew Dab, only because of how strong not because of the season, but because of the last episode. The last episode, how yeah. strong the last episode was. That was great to see the unfortunate but but well done death he of didn't Crowley. He didn't the, dab the last episode. The reveal of Rowena's death and and Lucifer's upping the stakes. Frankly, the alternate mm-hmm. universe, the the parallel dimension, Bobby's return. Bitch, there was very little dabbing in that final episode. So that was the only other person that I felt like should have God, some noteworthy mention. Uh, my runner up was uh, Steve Yelke. Okay. I think he has, he's another new writer that understands Supernatural and who cares. And he's delivered some solid episodes. I believe he's the one who gave us um, Aza Fox. The well, Twigs and Twine. I know that one. I'm not certain if he was. Yeah, those are his characters. Those, those two. Yeah, Twigs and Twine and Aza Fox. Yeah. So I like when writers can create their char- their own characters, kind of like Robbie Thompson did that mm-hmm. with Felicia Day's character. That was his right. character that he, you know, wove her stories throughout the seasons. Yeah. I'd like to see him get more work in season 13 because again, he introduced new characters. We got to see some cool new stuff with the witch as a hunter, whether it's reading demon warding. Or like the force throwing someone through the fucking window. That yeah, that was still cool. was awesome. Honestly, I mean, if Dab was smart, he would be doing this exact same thing we're doing and analyzing the episodes, going back. And honestly, there's no reason why Barons, Yoki, and Perez don't just write the majority of the episodes. Yeah, they're the leaders in that room now in terms of writers. Obviously, we know Dab's not going to write a whole lot because he's busy running the show as a whole. Why not give seventy five percent of the load, sixty five percent of the load to fifty Bar- percent of the load to three? Sometimes people. you just got to give half the load to him. Ouch! A quarter load? That's usually yeah. what you have, right? Yeah, that's a. Qu- I'm a quarter load. Ten percent sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, I don't. You know, you need to drink more water, man. That has nothing to do with. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> God. Anyways, yeah. So those those were our choices for the top two writers of season twelve. Uh, we I don't think we have a segment for this one because I threw this at you at the end. Oh, maybe we oh, do. Oh, the Crossroads best new lore is number three. This one's the best because it's for me. But the multi universe number two, the princes of hell from Mexican Mike, and number one, 
humans using angelic and I can't say that word magic at the cost of their soul from forgettable Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't say in that voice. We were supposed, I can say to, angelic. We were supposed to choose one. Yeah, I just and those were runner ups. <laughs> ah, whatever. Yeah. No, Crossroads has to pick their one. Well, then we'll pick what's, which one is the number one. It's too late now. That's not too late now. We can still pick number one. Which one do you want to do? It's too late. Oh, why are you being such a bum right now? Just joking. It's the multi-universe. Let's be honest. No. What? Are you shitting me? Because Mike and I picked the same one at first. He he switched get? his gears at the end to the humans using angelic magic at the cost of their own soul. And the reason, okay, when you, okay, when let's, you let's, weigh these. I want to argue it. Argue when you, it. When you weigh these, humans using angelic magic at the cost of their soul, mm-hmm. the princes of hell. The multi-universe. The multi-universe is cool, Ryan. However, it's also a jump the shark moment if it's utilized more than a couple times ever. Yeah. Okay, unless they choose to make it part of the story and it becomes a thing. That's different. Okay. But if it becomes... Okay, all right. Now, the Princess of Hell is cool and it could work, but also I think it works as a simple reminder of things are much bigger and there's things that we still don't know about the world of Supernatural. Now, if, mm-hmm. if the writers 12 seasons in can deliver some ancient lore that doesn't feel contrived, it actually feels natural and it makes sense that it very well could have existed and we just didn't know about it, it works. And that's why this was my number one, because this lore feels so true to the original I, I, I want to say the original idea of Supernatural, it just makes sense on so many levels. Right. And then with number one, I mean, Thomas, your argument made a lot of sense, too. The fact that, well, first off, number one, soul, well, the soul is, in a lot of ways, the theme of Supernatural. To me, it's a fact of what can you do with this concept? Like you said, the multi-universe, while cool, if it's not, if unless it's Where can either it go? a part of the season story, right. it has to have a limit. You can't just have multi-universe forever. Otherwise, like the multiverse, nothing would ever end. It becomes the Flash and it becomes shitty. Hey, now. The Princes of Hell, while an interesting idea and very cool and kind of gives us an idea of where Azazel's power level was or or his backstory a little more, three of the four are already dead. Right. That's a limited concept. But to me, the idea of humans using angelic magic, but at a self-sacrifice, that is huge. The soul has been a big element from season one kind of not really so much but but more but the the question of of what what makes you you a human though like with sam you know weighing or am i a monster am i a human it it may not be the soul per se but it is about the human soul but it's where can you go with that the soul was the most powerful element to crowley and Raphael in season six it was what made leviathan Cass so powerful it's what created it makes the difference between a monster version of sam and the Sam we know and love. Also what opened up purgatory. It's what opened purgatory. It's what God found as he, he didn't create that. He found it is how he describes it. The fact that the darkness and also no doubt God feeds on it. I mean, shows you how powerful it is. But also then if you humans can tap into that magic and humans are really the only ones who possess a soul in that way, there's no limit to what they theoretically could do with that. And the greater part to me is that it comes at such a heavy cost. And that is why it's the most interesting to me, because anybody could do it, but like the whole Star Wars dark side, at what cost, what are you willing to sacrifice for this power? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. That whole mantra fits into this idea, and any it's open to anyone. There's only four princes of hell. There's only one multiverse dimension at this time. Anyone who wanted to could learn how to use their soul to 
give them unlimited powers. What I do like about it too, though, is that it gives humans the ability to be on the same scale as theoretically as Lucifer or Michael right. and be able to fight back to a degree that nobody has believed possible before, you know, but, but at maybe the cost of their own life rather than Sam kind of just jumping into the pit while, which I love that. Cause that's one of my favorite episodes. If he had the access to angelic powers and you had this standoff fight, between him and Lucifer, that could be... I mean, just the ideas of what you could do with this, to me, is huge. So, I mean, you could come up with whole new villains from this concept, too. So, I that, that for me, became the best bit of new lore you that was it. added. You sold it for me. Well, thank you. No, I, I wasn't giving you a compliment. No, I'm going to take it as a compliment. You sold that... Yeah, shut up. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for us to get into our top five episodes for season 12 as a whole, as ranked by the Crossroads team. Now, do we have a little bit for this? Now, we also have all run. We have runner ups on this one, right? So we, we have so this yes. is our top five that we chose that we came to a consensus yeah. on, and we had to vote on them. We had as to vote on them. There was arguments. Right, right, right. We do have a couple. Each of us has a couple that were our personal favorites or runners up. Yep. Which we will talk about after these five. So, the Crossroads top five episodes of the season are number five. The Memory Remains. Number four, American Nightmare. Number three, Stuck in the Middle with You. And number two, All Along the Watchtower. Number one, Who We Are. Nailed it. <laughs> you didn't stumble on that one. Good job. I didn't have to say angelic. Apparently, that's the word. That's that... apparently the one that was difficult. Yes. So now these, like Mike said, these are ones that we voted on together as a consensus. Um, number one, we went with who we are. I think we've talked about that at length, not just in the season finale episode. Yeah, I don't think we need to. But it, in this one as well. It was everything about Supernatural that we love. Absolutely. It was a great way to end the British Mental Letters in a convincing and not just believable way, but a fitting way for a lot of us. And the, the emotional moments between Sam and Dean and Dean and Mary were the highlights. And it was really everything we wanted from that storyline for a very, very long time. Finally coming to a close. Uh, all along the Watchtower, we we decided on that one as a second, mostly because that was our kind of consensus as a number two. Yeah. And you know what? I, I was debating even putting it on the top five list, even though it was an A episode to me. Um, it didn't really have a lot of story progression yeah, that's, necessarily that's why it wasn't and that's why i wasn't sure if i wanted yeah. to put this on the top five yes it was a great episode but i wanted to reserve the top five for for episodes that really progress the story forward however you know we i broke my own rule and i decided to throw it on the list of choices and i think it, it does ultimately deserve to be on the list due to not necessarily story progression but um, the implications and foreshadowing it, in a lot of ways, it truly was a season finale of old, the old style season finales that yeah. we used to get in TV shows. They allowed. And I think again, using the two part two hour season finale, I think really worked in their favor. They gave us the true finale. Then they finish it up with a, with a cliffhanger. Yeah. With a cliffhanger. It was a standard. Oh shit. Foreshadowing. And what does this mean for next season? And not just that, but I mean, to me, the season 12 finale will is, is one of the best finales they have because, you know, there was a couple bits with I, a lot of people were not so happy about the end of season 11. And 
there's a couple moments in other season finales that are just kind of they're good, but they're not as good. But right. this with the death of Crowley, Lucifer being trapped, Mary being trapped, this new player with untold power on the chessboard, and the the alternate universe, just the alternate universe, the return of Bobby, the but Nephilim. not the return of Bobby. It's a whole lot of shit to There's take in. So much, just so new much looking being fucking demons with horns and shit. I, I yeah, mean, I, I, I think we had to break our rule just because there to. was just so much happening. Again, not necessarily story progression, but there was a lot of setting up and getting you ready. And I, you're right, man. If I can say, oh shit, while I'm watching an yeah, episode of Supernatural, yeah. like when I saw the horned demon running at Castiel, that's a win. You gotta I mean, give giving us, to us it. the classic demon look, yeah, that, I mean, that cool. is amazingly cool. And, and that's so the thing cool. is, we want to be critical. We want to take it to the next level and, and not just be like, wow, wasn't that awesome on this show? We want to provide Even more. though sometimes you do we, that. We, no, I know. I'm getting there. <laughs> we, we try to bring a different view to it and be a little more critical or, or point out the references they make whether it's pop culture or art or how they did it from a intellectual standpoint but at the same time this is a fan show and sometimes you yeah. just got to say that was so fucking cool yeah. sometimes you like, just got to be like man that was really fucking awesome g willikers g willikers but no thomas you're right and i think it, w- it was so fucking it cool. was <laughs> that episode every there was so much going on and i think it was so many you know, holy shit, what the fuck moments. And, and honestly, sometimes you need that. And in a season finale, especially that's when you're supposed to have that. It, that's when you're supposed to have it, especially a season. And, I, and I'm not being a dick here, but especially a season that didn't have so many hot moments. And this was like, holy crap, we're going out on a bang. Not just that, but this is what Dab promised us for the entire Abs- season absolutely. run. Absolutely. You know, the all the dominoes will fall everything will fall into place and we'll kick it off with a new start for season 13 and and it, it delivered on that so that gave that the number two spot yep um as for number three stuck in the middle with you i think that was that's number three because while you guys i had that as my number one we'll get there Are you okay <laughs> did you just have a stroke i'm not <laughs> jumping to the personals just yet i'm just <laughs> saying <laughs> <laughs> That's what you sounded like. I literally thought you had a stroke. Like I thought you died over there. Crosswell's have to take a quick break to take Mike to the hospital. Yeah. No. Good lord. That was a great episode for so many people, ourselves included. Whether it was the fan service of the cult finally returning, something we had talked about, not not just over the years, but in this season particularly for oh, yeah. a while. You called it. Yeah, I'm not trying to have a big head, but I, I did call, call that one call earlier. It. I was giving you the do. You called it. And the Princess of Hell as lore, the nearly death of Castiel, the intercutting and the Tarantino homage, the great writing, the great directing. I mean, everything about that one was just, was a great was just fucking great. Absolutely. Uh, American Nightmare. I think that one was kind of, it's kind of surprising that that one made it to the top five in some ways because it was only the fourth episode. And there's nothing necessarily about it particularly that was, holy shit, this is something to be remembered in right. Supernatural for all of time. But the fact of the matter is, to me at least, and, and Ryan and Mike argue it if you feel differently, it was such a great example of Supernatural's core elements, what it was built on, the horror, the the human, human nature is the real monster, the mystery, 
Harkening back to what made Sam Winchester tick for the first five seasons and then utilizing that emotion to Mm -hmm. expand the story. And also, let's not forget what it meant for the for the men of letters. We saw it did. It was relevant towards the end to the main myth arc of the season. So not only did they take a, uh, a an episode and deliver us the very core essence of Supernatural, but it also was a was a was a fantastic standard you know, Monster of the Week episode, too. It was very well written, very concise, very clear. And it, I think everybody liked the little bit of fan service that was having the psychic children element come back. Yeah. We've, we, we had always, we'd always talk about it. Like, when it, like, that it, has to come back at some point, to, right? Yeah, right. And, and I think this was a, a really well done example of that coming back. I mean, it needed to come back, and I think they did a good job of doing it. Yeah. Now, the number five was the kind of the controversial one or the one that we were all kind of humming and hawing about a little bit with amongst our own vote the memory remains this was the monster of the week one with the uh black bill and then That's mo- racist. what was it how do you pronounce his name <laughs> Moloch 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 the the like pagan demon god <laughs> that that episode was a standard monster of the week in a lot of ways but for me what made it so special was it was one of the few episodes that actually made me jump a couple of times. Well, it, not only not, not only that, it goes back to why we liked American Nightmare. Exactly. These were the two episodes that were the harkening back to seasons one and two, Monster of the Week, true horror elements. Well, this, and this, also human beings being the true evil. Yeah. Well, I think this one, too, what, what, I, what I, I think we had all agreed on when we talked about it, and, and you can... The borrowing of Alfred Hitchcock and right. not and revealing the monster. That yeah, the, the the whole not revealing the monster thing. I think we were all on board with that. Just the, the the creepy look of the monster in general. What you did see. What you did see. Um, just it was it. They did it right, and I think that's why we this one made the list. And I and I know there's people probably wondering why we threw this one on the list, but it was good. Yeah, it was. A it's cool not episode. just it. It was the best example to me of horror. In this episode, Absolutely. you don't see the monster. Humans are the real villain. There's great uses of camera work to give you jump scares. There's great uses of sound and the lack of sound to give you some true uneasy feelings. There's classic misdirection. It's, exactly. I mean, it's there, a it's a classic. There's it's, a lot going on in this episode that just it didn't get enough credit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now th- those are the top five as from Supernatural, the crossroads as a show that we have come together on. Now we're going to make a couple of quick notes on some of the ones that we personally liked that either A, didn't well, make it give into Give me, the, no, give me your top five, Thomas. What is your top five? One to five. My my top five, I, I struggled with in a little bit because The Memory Remains is number five. I love that episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it did so many things right. American Nightmare was great. That's number four for me. The Honestly, the one that I'd probably remove that I really struggled with in a lot of ways of putting it in there was what we talked about all along the Watchtower because of our own implied rules of how we would pick. So what's these your episodes. list then? So for me, the list changes a little bit. Number four is actually the British invasion or number five is the British invasion. I liked getting more into the British Men of Letters. I liked seeing McDavies change as a character and make decisions to join with the brothers. I liked seeing the other smug British guy get shot, frankly. Mm-hmm. I liked 
the <laughs> no, that's messed up, dude. He deserved, he, to die. He that deserved guy was a it. And also, got Eileen dead. Come on. Yeah, who cares? About that it? episode didn't kill her. That episode did result in it happening. Result in her but death. Oh, no. We learn about Kendrick, totally which opened up the world to, of Supernatural even Hello. more. And sadly, I know a lot of people didn't like it, but to me, the death of Davies, while sad, was great for the story. Absolutely. It It pushed it forward. I liked his character. He was there just long enough for me to start liking him and then be taken away, which from a storytelling standpoint was all he needed to be there for. So that episode for me is one that I say you have to see that episode for most of season 12's changes to make sense. Yep. So for me, it was the British Invasion, number five, Memory Remains, number four. American Nightmare 3, Who We Are was number two, and Stuck in the Middle with You was my number one. That was the only episode that I loved from a writing standpoint, a directing standpoint, and as a fan standpoint, and I believe that's the only one I gave an A-plus rating for for the entire season. I think so. That's my... You have it written there in front of you. You know the answer to that. Yes, I do, but I was trying not to sound like a total douchebag. So. Oh, oh, Ryan, what was your top five? Okay, so my top five, I actually had two changes on mine. So number five would have been uh, Asa Fox. Um, I don't know why I really liked that episode. I, there was something about it, I think, with all the hunters, everything, Sam and Dean being, you know, these celebrities, everything about that episode was cool to me. So that'd be my number five. Um, Stuck in the Middle with You was my four. Uh, which we've already blown enough, so I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, number three was regarding Dean. Really? Uh, yes. And I, so I am, we all know that I'm a huge, I love Dean. So this episode was just really cool to me. Would you make him a mixtape? Um, I would absolutely make him a mixtape. <laughs> it would be awesome mix volume one. Um, no, I just think that this episode was really cool. And I like, I like the funny ones. I like them kind of goofing around with the whole, you know, um, well, like it, witch killing bullets on right. a sticky note. Wh- yeah, witch killing bullets. Um, the the whole you know grabbing the the, the sticky notes everywhere. Um, it, it also it reminded me a lot of when uh, Dean was scared of everything. And I I like these episodes. I think they're fun, and I think you know it gives Jensen a little, something other than being the. The, I'm a badass guy type. Yeah. And I you see and I, him scared and that's, yeah, that shows his range of abilities as an actor. And I like that. I, I like the fact of that, this episode. And then obviously um, my number two was all along the watcher. And then number one was who we are. So um, I, mine didn't change all that much. And to be completely honest, I mean, when we were ca- talking and, and, and sending our, um, you know, our, our picks back and forth, I, that's why I was okay with what we find, we came up with on here because all, honestly, it should be a top 10 because there were, there was enough episodes. I feel like we could have at least had eight, maybe. Um, I definitely had some runners up and like honorable mentions. Yeah. Like I like the raid. Yeah. With the cool al- return of the alpha and his death and the cult awesome ep- yeah, cool showing episode. up again. Um, Twigs and twine and Tasha Baines. I thought was creepy. I love that episode yeah. too. So again, I, I think, you know, I wasn't totally upset with what we picked, and I and I think um, I'm okay with that. But yeah, I had two different ones, and that was it. All right, Mike, what about you? What is your top personal five? Um, number five is celebrating the life of Aza Fox. Hey, and um, again, Steve Yoki, and I love what he did with with the characters, the two witch siblings, mm-hmm. and uh, and I really like that we had some just for sam and dean to see them appreciated and revered by other hunters it's a long time coming it should have happened the fact that you know they saved humanity countless times 
And we saw how much they were hated by many hunters. A lot of hunters viewed Sam as being a monster himself. And to now see it completely opposite years later, what, seven years later, it felt good. And I know that's something we talk a lot about in Supernatural. We want Sam and Dean to get credit for what they've done. That's why All All Along the Watchtower was so cool when they went over to the alternate universe and we saw firsthand what the world would be like without Sam and Dean. Complete Um, shit. Right. And to see in the A's of Fox episode, to see that all these hunters notice that. And finally, they they get the recognition, Sam and Dean, that they deserve amongst amongst their 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 uh, kind. Yeah. Uh, Number four for me is stuck in the middle with you. Number three is Twigs and Twine and Tasha Baines. Again, another Steve Yoki episode. Uh, And just as you said, when we were going over our episodes, um, it's a perfect backdoor pilot. Yeah. If they wanted to, they can completely utilize it's that story done for you. It's a 99.9% better backdoor pilot than bloodlines. Fact of the matter is I just, I want it to happen because I want to know what happens. I would watch the shit out of I that would watch show. It too. It'd be really cool. To see Absolutely. him struggle with the fact that his sister's dead, but not, and that's his fault, and she doesn't know, like, I just want to know what fucking happens. And just the parallels between Tasha, uh, I keep forgetting their names. Alex and Alicia. <laughs> Alex and Alicia, Jesus Christ. To see the parallels with Alex and Alicia, with Sam and Dean, uh, and to give them that true hunter origin story, and also the opposite, the way we saw what we saw in in the Twigs and Twine episode, where we saw a different version of hunters, uh, you saw a happy way of life, which, again, I, I love those mirror episodes of, of putting that mirror up to Sam and Dean and showing you the what ifs like they always think it's either it's either a bad thing or a good thing. You can't have happiness if you're if you're a hunter. That's something they've yep. always kind of struggled yep. with. Hey, I'm choosing being a hunter. This is what we do. And to see that hunters can actually do this their entire life and have a completely happy and fulfilling life as they witnessed with Alex and Alicia and the mother. I mean, yeah. that was such a great way to show that. And, and it made a lot of sense to the entire season when Sam and Dean were already struggling with the question of legacy. And will they re- be, will they be remembered? And also, of course, with Sam and Dean also questioning for the past several years now of are they making the right choices? So this episode not only was a great Monster of the Week episode, a great example of horror, but also it meant a lot for the growth of Sam and Dean. Yeah. Uh, number two is All Along the Watchtower. And number one is Who We Are. Yeah. All right. I mean, it, it, you like how most of those are all at the end of the season yeah. as well? well that's, 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 that's what Dab said. Hey, guys, end of the season. Just wait. <laughs> Hey, just just guys, just get through the first eight episodes, and then you know. Hey guys, get through season twelve. Season thirteen's would be sweet. <laughs> yeah, dude. Season twelve. Hey, hey man. Season twelve is is it's okay. Season twelve. Season twelve is shit. Season thirteen's game. Hey, my dad. Yeah, yeah. That's that, terrible. That was, I'm not a rapper, but I mean, the fact that really? is, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Give me, no, I'm not, never mind. Um, but no, it's seriously like uh, he said that the, the last yeah. half of the ep- of the season, and it, season it's, is, yeah. it's proven to be correct. It's true. 100% true. At least he was true about that. All right. The <laughs> next little bit we've got here is our VIP of the year. Ryan, looking to you. 
The Crossroads Special VIP of 2016-2017 is... The VIP of the year is... Drumroll. Oh, Jesus. Richard Spate Jr. Now, the criteria for this was a little bit vague amongst ourselves, <laughs> but honestly, it was who did we feel, whether an actor, a writer, a I director, myself. a fan, had the biggest impact on season 12 for a positive, in a positive way. And for us, without a doubt, that came down to Richard Spate Jr., his directing, his, no question. his care for the show. Yeah. All the stuff we said about him being the director of the year as well comes into play here. And again, like I said, I felt like his episode stuck in the middle came at the exact right moment to reinvigorate my my interest in the storylines of what was happening. We had a lot of meandering. We didn't really know where things were going. And then he introduces Colt and Princes of Hell and Castiel nearly dies and Mary's lying to them. It gave us a shot of adrenaline right to the heart. Pulp Fiction I, style. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, dude, I woke up so fast from sleeping on the couch. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy crap. So, yeah, VIP of the year, Richard Spade Jr., kudos to him. And now we're going to move on to our rankings of seasons 1 through 12. Where does season 12 lie for us? Whether it's your favorite season, our least favorite season. And we did this last year with all 11, so we're going to do it again. Do, Mike, do you want to start? You want to go... One down to twelve, or twelve down Look, to one. I'm, I'm going to go start. I'm going to start with one. Yeah, let's start with one on this. You want to go first, Ryan? Yeah, I'm going to go first. Okay, because just I, keep it. Keep it look, short and sweet. People, uh, oh, don't worry. It's going to be year. short and sweet. Mine's going to be real short and sweet. Um, guys, I don't remember shit of what I said last year. Okay, <laughs> I cannot remember. I told both these guys this. So here's here's what we're going to do. If you can remember that, great, awesome. But I'm going to put season twelve just above season seven because season seven was my very last season that I, it was the worst Wait, season. season 12. What? Season, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought he stroked out halfway through. No. So I, so if, if I had my list in front of me, okay, and it was one to 12. Okay. Season 12 would be second to last season. Seven would be last. Oh, and damn. the only reason I said that, and the only reason I'm saying that is because the last two episodes saved the season for me. You know, this is just me. I'm not speaking for myself here, but the last two episodes says is save the season for me. Um, it, but what's your rank? Though? So go one down to twelve, I, dude. I'm look, just you fucking do I that. I can't do it. Okay, I'm not gonna do it. It's gonna. I'll stroke out Sweet. again. So right, like I said, short, short, sweet. Second right, to last Thomas, of all the episodes. Ahead. All right. So for me, I'm just gonna kind of recite what I did because we did this last year. Yeah. For me, I number, don't write my shit down. Sorry. Number one going down to twelve. Season five was my favorite. Number one. Season four. Season two. Season three. Season 11 comes in at number five. I really? I prefer I that in hindsight. I, I, I prefer this one. And I think I said this last year yeah. to season one. While I love a lot about season one, the monster of the week concept does start to get a bit repetitive. Meanwhile, season 11 had great moments and I was constantly interested between the Chuck reveal baby, the darkness oh, and baby. What that had to do with everything. <laughs> the return of Lucifer, all those things to me are things that I you had to see, whereas a lot of episodes of season one, yeah, if you missed that episode, it was a monster of the week. It was really cool, but that's all you kind of missed. Uh, so coming in at number six is season one, then season six. Love season six for a ton of stuff. But just and this is on the that's your number seven. M- number seven is season six. God, this is confusing. <laughs> this, number eight. This is ones we talked about before. It had a lot of potential, but didn't come around. Number eight is season eight. While it had a really weak beginning, it had a great it's ending. Of Kate. 
Kate from season Jesus eight. Jesus God. It had is, a great... there, is there a theme here with Ryan? He seems to hate all the the women guest spots. I think, what are you I talking know. about? I liked Kate. You don't like Eileen. You don't like Kate. You didn't you like, like Kate. You, you didn't like Kate until <laughs> you met her. Yeah, then I was totally into her. And I think it's oh, funny because he was sakes. trashing her. He likes Rowena. He was trashing. I like Rowena. Do you remember? She's not. Yeah. A, she's not. A, she's a, a cast member. I'd consider more than a guest. Like, oh, I remember how much you remember he trashed Kate, and yeah. then he got so excited when he saw her just, at the con. She's way hotter. She spoke to him. Oh my god! So now he loves her. Yeah, yeah and I absolutely. told him that I was gonna play the part about her on the from the show, that's and he got all upset. Up. That's fucked up, dude. That, that's that's a fucked up maneuver. You're a terrible person. <laughs> just continue. Number nine. Number nine is season <laughs> nine. I felt like it had a lot of cool ideas that all just kind of fell on at the floor at the end. Mm-hmm. See, season uh, like number 10. ten. Season ten had some things that I wish they would have done that they didn't and just kind of was there. Okay. Season or number 11. Oh, here it is. Season seven. Really? Oh, oh, so, okay. All right, cool. For me, season That's 12 drum roll. comes in at number 12 as my least favorite oh, season. Oh, oh, oh Thomas. I'm a dick, right? Yeah. What? <sighs> now I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to uh, go to Mike because uh, we fucking talked. Yeah. So yeah, I want to see what Mike. I cannot put. believe you would do that. Really, you can't because you you're going to do the same thing. Mike, what's no, yours? No, one through twelve. No, no hold on. I hope okay. he changes it. Oh my Can god! Can you I do number it. one for me so I don't get confused? Go down the order for me. Ready? Five. No. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Grab my arm. No, my other arm. No, my other arm. <laughs> Jesus, Thomas. Okay, I, I didn't want to get confused. Never mind. So I'll do this. N- my number one. Favorite number season one. is season four. Number two. Season five. Number three. Season three. Number four. Season two. Number five. Season one. Number six. Season 11. Number seven. Season six. Number eight. Season nine. Number nine. Season 10. Number 10. Season eight. Number 11. Season seven. Ah, and number 12. <laughs> number 12 is season 12. Now, why? Because you and I had the same concept um, for our justification for this. And I just want to say that even though we're putting it on dead last, it's supernatural. And even its least, even its worst season, I hate to even use that word, even its worst it's season, weakest season is better than 90% of the shows out there on network television. Yeah. Um, I think it came down to a couple of things between season seven and season 12. Uh, I almost rated this the same as season eight, although season eight had a cohesive story. And I think that was the problem. I think with with Dab, he had that plan that we went over um, during the season about his reboot slash bridge season. And although I can get behind that of him doing the bridge season and trying to do a soft reboot, I think he dragged his feet a bit. And because of that, it felt like there wasn't a a connective story throughout the yeah. entire season. The fact that the, 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 the meat of the narrative didn't really happen until the closing quarter of the season. That's, that's an issue. Now, season seven had a lot of hokey, corny moments. I hated it. Did. I did not like the Leviathan. I love the concept, but ultimately how they were utilized was, was no good. It was corny. The visual effects of the Leviathan didn't look good. It, it was just, it just, we all know it was weak. why I didn't like it. Yeah. However, there was an A to B to C to D writing. Yeah. There and was a story. And that I may was not what it was. like the story, but there was a story. There wasn't a flaw in the writing. 
I was never, and that's where it ultimately came down to for me. It was season 12. Season just, seven, I had, some, there were, there are about seven or eight great episodes. I mean, great episodes yeah. in season seven. But the story as a whole. But the story was, was, was kind was, of boring. I wouldn't even say boring. It was just disjointed because. Season the, seven? Oh, season no, seven. Oh, season seven. Season 12. Season seven, I was constantly like, okay, I. I don't care about this little bit or let's move on to how we can stop the Leviathans. Right. But the whole time I knew what we were working towards. I knew that Bobby, while his death was tragic, some of there was clues that he was a ghost and there was all these other cool things happening. Season 12 was the only time I've asked at the halfway point and even beyond that, where is this going? Right. And because of that lack of structure until the very, very end, it has to come in lower than seven. It just does. While I agree, Mike, the season seven's Leviathans didn't work the way they wanted them to. But season seven still had a roadmap. Yeah, you have to understand where the audience has to understand where the story's going. And I'm not saying uh, it's not due to lack of patience. I'm not saying give away the goods. I'm saying there needs to be an idea of the direction of the story. And I don't think it there was for a long time until well after the halfway point. People were questioning and, and wondering what's going on. What's the point? Is Lucifer is the men of letters. Uh, is the cosmic nephilim. is the cosmic consequence is the nephilim what is the story yeah. and i can liken this to you know writing a feature film you know in a feature film there's that standard rule of within the first 30 pages the first 25 to 30 minutes you have to know what the story is going to be about it doesn't mean you need to know what's going to happen you know it doesn't mean there no, is there isn't mystery but when you're writing a feature you have to let the audience know what they're watching and what to expect otherwise you're going to lose their interest and I, I i and the same thing could be said about the first quarter if we want to space it out a bit the first quarter of the season has got to deliver to the audience what the show is going to be about yeah or what the season is going to be about and it didn't do that as i was saying i i felt like the idea dab had of bridging the season using this as a bridge season using this to buy his you know bite his time until he um, is ready to open up the, the setup for season 13. That's all fine. You can still do that. But while you're doing that, you got to let the audience know what is going on. Like yeah. what is happening and this season? Thing, I think about the mid season of season seven with Bobby's death and the Leviathan's plan. He knows it, but we don't know quite exactly what it is just yet because Bobby just died. And then I look at the season 12 mid season finale and the president's introduced concept is ex- executed and laid to rest by the end of the episode and i still don't know what is the main plot right? the, the cosmic consequence and is it and ruby not ruby um lisa barry's character death what's it billy 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 yeah. being killed it, just it was we confusing. all the way that ended the way, the way lotus ended and the way we picked up with billy dying we were all thinking oh, okay cosmic consequence that's what yep. the story's going to be about yep that's how, what we were led to believe ever since um, ever since death died himself way back in season 10. 10 yeah. A- and for you to throw a curveball and say, well, you know, yeah, not whatever. really. But this is what we're going to do. It. This eh. is going to be about this, about the Nephilim. I, I just think it was a, it was too late when he decided to start drawing those lines. And I yeah. think that's ultimately why this season comes down to to being n- number you know, bottom number 12 to a lot of people. And it sucks because there are some great, great episodes in season 12 In season 12, some great episodes. Unfortunately, they're disjointed. This isn't, this isn't Matlock. This isn't Columbo. This isn't standalone episodes. Hey, one and done. 
that, that we're now in the serialized story era. And, and I know there was a lot of people on social media. I don't want to bash Andrew Dabb. We know that Andrew Dabb's very social media savvy. He, he's very, <laughs> he's more social media savvy than any other showrunner ever was. And he might have been listening a little bit to some of the fans, a small population of the fans that asked for this. If you go back and search through hashtags, as I do, um, there were people actually asking for no myth arc, which I, I was blown yeah. away. Hey, we should have a season with a bunch of standalone episodes with no real story and just give us a bunch of fun episodes. And I'm wondering if that's what he tried to do. And I think people now have realized that that's not exactly a great you, you idea. You can't do that. You can't do that with a show that's been, you can't change the format of a show no. on season this isn't 12. Like season 12. Yeah, you can't, you can't go season 12 like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to do something different. <laughs> it's, it's not law and order. It does not work that way yeah. for this show. But when they do SVU, it totally changes. It. Jesus God. Anyway. <laughs> so now that's, that's where we have all placed season 12 in the rankings and again i feel so sad now i know again it's not to say that it is a bad it's like the worst season ever it's just it's it's, not negative hey we're ranking yeah you know that doesn't again it's still better than a fuck load of shows that are out there by a wide margin especially as it came to a close at the end but compared to its previous work that's just where you know, Mike and I, and, and even Ryan has it pretty low on his list. Yeah, That's I mean, just I had where it falls. And you know I mean, what? Now, moving forward, Andrew Dabb is in a perfect spot right now. He he did away with any of the Carver elements that he didn't want to use, which right. is possibly reason why he was dragging his feet, yep. trying to close those story ends. And now, moving forward, he's ready to go. So, moving into season thirteen, I feel like he needs to focus on the on the strong writers in that writing room. He needs to write 20% of the episodes. Barons, Yoki, Perez need to write 65% because they understand Supernatural. And I think by doing that and having a clear, concise arc, I think we're, we can have a really strong season 13 that could rival 11. I don't remember these types of exciting moments that we're about to have in season 13 yeah. in a very long time. There is some great cool areas they can go to now with the way season 12 ended and i'm hoping they capitalize on those and utilize it so we can really have a strong season so that leads us into kind of the the last topic here for this episode but what do we want to see out of season 13 not not just from the writing room but from a storyline standpoint is there something you guys want to see i know i have a couple ideas myself go for it for me i would love to see not exactly them continue to jump back to the alternate dimension, but perhaps the opposite. Whether the Nephilim does it or is a part of the cosmic consequences element, more tears show up, and that kind of be what they have to hunt down. They're looking for their mom that way. You could have other demons. They're closing slip through. Like, breaches, basically. Closing tears, perhaps in reality. That's how you can have their mom have a way to jump through. That's how you can have Lucifer return. That's how know. you can have demons you with horns show up. Don't you think it's a little too sci fi ish if they do that? It might be, but it depends on how they do it. And that's, a, that's, that's the thing, is that it is what has to kind of drive the plot. While the Nephilim is the, quote, big threat, we have no idea whether or not he will be good or bad. We're, and Mary being, and Lucifer being in the alternate dimension, along with alternate version Bobby, has to come back into play. And I don't see them having the budget, frankly, to have us continuously visit that hellhole dimension. Right. We, but if there was something that slipped through, 
whether it's a spell that they try to bring Mary through and it like the hell gate in season two right. unleashes all kinds of shit. Maybe that could come through. I, I'd like to see some of that universe bleed into ours a little bit, because again, if supernatural is moving towards the end of the show that we never want to happen, but eventually has to reality blending the end of everything they know merging of universes with the apocalyptic one could be where they take that. Yeah. I mean, I see the most potential at least there. We're under the we're under all the the fact that I mean, dude, we're going to get a fucking Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> Can we just talk about that for a second? Like, dude, and 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 now we were all we were really concerned about how the hell they were going to do that. And with the ending of season 12, it's like obviously and this is what I'm thinking is Jack is throwing them into that into that changing episode. channels parallel dimension pocket universe Abs- absolutely and i think dude that that is what i'm the most psyched about and i'm also psyched again we there's so many possibilities with the nephilim and what they can do and 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 frankly thomas if they did the season basically what you just said i would be completely happy with that i mean they've always looked in the apocalypse before they were looking for signs whether it was a breached seal right in season four or signs that lucifer was around in this area I, I don't see how it, maybe it's a little more sci-fi in in tone, but at the same time, supernatural and sci-fi is is kind of a matter of perspective yeah. in this universe at this yep. point with Oz being a dimension that they visited before. Right. Yep. If, they, I, if they're hunting that down, if they're using the Nephilim and trying to teach him not to be a evil fucking person by having him close yep. these tears in reality, I truly think it would be a cool. I think it would be a very neat way of doing it, and it keeps. It keeps it relevant with Lucifer and the questions we have with Mary. And then, it keeps them hunting for their mom. It keeps them trying to keep Lucifer at bay and the risk of do we try to bring mom through but also possibly let the devil out again? Or do we have to say goodbye to her once more? It's it's a, it's a very neat um, idea and I definitely think it would be very cool if they did that. I'd be I'd be all for it, man. I think I'd watch the, I'd watch the shit out. I mean, I'm going to watch it regardless, but I'm just saying like that would be a really, really neat I do want Alicia and Alex to show up again, though. I will say that. Whether we get a spinoff show or not, I want to see more of them. I agree, man. I did like their characters, and I think it would be a, it would be almost a missed opportunity if they didn't bring them back in the next season to see where they're at. Mike, what about you? What do you want to happen in season 13? Um, I think the alternate universe is definitely... A given that needs yeah. to be brought into Come play. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I don't really care if we go back. I. I, I wouldn't mind Mary being gone the entire season, and that could that be could that work. could be the driving force between Sam and Dean working. That could be the myth arc, and it, they could be working towards trying to free her from the alternate yeah. universe. Who knows? But I at mean, what it, risk? It all, right. There always is the high stakes, and and do we choose to do this because of this could happen? I mean, or that this would, could happen, and it would fit into the archetype of the yeah. Winchester storyline of: Do we make the decision that will benefit us by saving our family members, and do we make a decision that may have some potential ramifications that will then tie right back into the cosmic consequence, which has to be at the heart of season thirteen? And not just that; I think if they focus on the reality bending and, and the risks they take by trying to get Mary back, that brings the British Men of Letters right back into the fold. Maybe yep. not from day one, but that would give them reason to hunt down Sam and Dean 
because you guys are literally going to fuck over reality to save your mom. Yeah, they're in. You a- can't argue that one. You can't say that your way is better now. You are fucking wrong. The writers are in a perfect spot to finally tackle the cosmic consequence because of the tear. Yeah, that has opened up Absolutely. to another universe, which is a cosmic consequence issue because of the Nephilim, because of messing around with Lucifer, because of the things they've done. Each step has led to this. And it all can be tied directly back into the cosmic consequence and their future choices. Again, do we save Mary? What do we do? These are all things that can be tied right back to it. Yeah. So if if Dab and the writing group just puts it on the whiteboard, cosmic consequence mm-hmm. in the circle and, and they branch bubble out from there. Yeah, because that's what they need to focus on. It's and already there. It has it's written, written, it's itself. written itself. And I think, although I will say this is the complete fanboy probably shouldn't happen desire i want bobby to come back and kick some fucking ass dude i want to see more of of alternate universe bobby i do and my ideal season if they could do it it would be a parallel structure much like the godfather 2 where you have where you have mary winchester and bobby working i i think there's a ton of potential and i i will say despite the fact that we felt that season 12 was weaker than mm-hmm. previous seasons. Dab has set up a great, great first step for an awesome season 13. Absolutely. Like Mike I, I said, that could rival season 11 or possibly if done properly, even some of Kripke's stuff outside of the angels falling. I think this is one of the best potential setups yeah. for a season in a very, very long time. Absolutely. I, I think this is better concept-wise than the darkness i argued that back in oh, season yeah. 10 and i agree, I, so, I agree. The angels falling was epic and this this felt epic as well when they stepped through that portal at first time Absolutely. you're like what the fuck they're, just oh, happened? Dude, it was so, they're, they're yeah, in a perfect they're in a perfect yeah, spot right it's now. a great setup yeah, so yep. I, I i'm happy i i know we were all a little humming and hawing about season 12 but i am very happy not just as a member of this show but as a fan to be this excited for season mm-hmm. 13 yeah. so gonna be cool man i'm excited i know i think that essentially guys is gonna wrap up our year in review for season 12 it's we've been talking for way too fucking long at this point but let us know what you guys thought where do you rank season 12 as far as your least favorite most favorite shoot us messages on facebook and twitter and again remember we are going to be here throughout helatus check out rainmandigitalmedia.com for a list of the upcoming ideas concepts we're going to be talking about whether it's the normal helatus videos or if you are that interested and we would appreciate everything you guys can do for us the additional patreon episodes where we do this exact type of show for season one as well as additional content and additional ideas like missed opportunities in season six additional lore episodes all the stuff that we talk about we can talk about this shit for fucking ever but, as we but do. also we did during uh during break the last uh, what two weeks i've restructured our patreon page to include That's a few true. a few different things and now we have a a it's a a menu of sorts and the very first tier is called size matters not and it's the, <laughs> it's the dollar pledge uh, before it was when you pledged a dollar a month, it was a simple condescending thank you. Thank you. Oh, not condescending. N- uh, thank good, you. Good natured. Thanks for giving us a dollar. Now, good natured. And now, along with this special thank you, uh, each member who subscribes to the dollar a month package will now get 10 minutes at the crossroads, a mini broadcast 
uh, for Supernatural fans where we will take a topic and we'll talk about it in 10 minutes. And that will be, for, you know, included with the dollar Patreon pledge every single month. So now we're doing what a lot of people don't even do on Patreon and we're giving actual for content for donating a dollar. And the reason why we did that is because we're trying to put more value on every tier because we're in a bad spot. So help us out, guys. A dollar, a dollar a month. If you sit through our bullshit for two hours, I, I got I got to imagine that you guys appreciate us. Right. So share our show. Give us a dollar. Patreon.com slash Rain Man Digital. And we start giving you guys those mini casts. And of course, if you guys want to help us out even more, we give you guys more video cast. There's all kinds of new tiers on there. So make sure to check that out and share that information with whoever you think would be a fan of the Supernatural Crossroads show or any of the other shows that we have on the network. Again, we cover stuff from Star Trek and Star Wars to Supernatural and Arrow and Flash and movies and everything. Fucking everything. We cover frankly. Everything. So with that, guys, that's going to do it here for us at Supernatural The Crossroads. We will be back later this summer. I don't think we have an exact date just yet, but there, there's going to be more this month, so don't fret. And again, check out the website, rainmandigitalmedia.com. You'll find out more about the upcoming stuff we've got planned. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us, and we will see you all later. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.